Hey church, we are so excited for this series, Friends of the Family, mm -hmm. and we've had an incredible uh, couple of guests, and today we are in for a treat, probably one of the most popular <laughs> communicators that has come to People our church. People always remember him. People always remember. In fact, yeah. they remember a specific message that he spoke. It's called Work Here Too. In <laughs> fact, they might even throw it there in, in the comment section for you to go back and watch, but it was a super popular message. People still come up and, and go, I'm working my two, <laughs> Pastor. I'm like, that's great. I don't know what you're talking about. And then I remember, oh, Pastor Ken Clater preached that <laughs> message. I didn't preach that message. And so I am so excited to have my friend, Pastor Ken Clater, here with yeah. us this weekend. Such I, a I, relevant message for yes. this season. It, it, it's incredible. In fact, I heard him preach this message, and I called him up, and I said, hey, would you be willing to share at our church? Because I think that this is a needed message yes. in this season. And mm -hmm. church, I want you to get ready. I want you to prepare Open your hearts. hearts. Yes. I want you to prepare your mind. Get ready to be challenged. Get ready to think outside the box. Yeah. And get ready for God to speak to you through our friend, Pastor Ken Clater. So glad that you guys are in the house today to my coastal family. Man, I'm excited to be able to share the Word of God with you. Um, of course, um, Pastor Ken here from Alive Church in Orlando and Gainesville, and you know how much I love being able to preach to you guys. I've had the opportunity to be there with you a couple of times, and of course, this time is going to be via video, but I just believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to honor our time together, and I want you just to lean in. Matter of fact, just practice a little bit and just kind of lean in a little bit to your TV or to your computer screen or your phone, and that's just saying, God, we're expecting you to speak. You know, before I jump into today, message, I just want to give honor like crazy honor, like double honor, like quadruple honor to your wonderful pastors, my friends, Pastor TJ and Shayla. Man, I love you guys so much. You guys are really a class act. You are one of a kind. You know, I have an opportunity to travel to churches really around the world, and um, there's something that is unique and something that is special and something that is powerful about the coastal family um, down south. I can say that because I'm up north in Florida. And um, I want you guys just to make sure that you honor your leaders. Right now, it's just a hard time to lead. You know, you got social injustices, you got economic uncertainties, you have pandemic and, and, and issues, all these things are happening. But you know what? I really feel like we can be modern day Aaron and hers. Get under your pastor, encourage them, email them, text them, let them know, hey, I'm here with you. I'm, I love you. I'm, incur um, you know, I'm, I'm for you. I'm praying for you. I'm excited about getting back to to the house because all of us pastors need to hear some love every once in a while. So, hey, well, I love you guys. I love your pastor. I love your leadership team. And we're excited about, um, for those of you all who, who don't know me, um, I'm Pastor Ken again. I've been married for 21 years. It's been the best 20 years of my life. Come on, somebody. The first year, the year and a half was horrible. God changed us. He rearranged us. Now we're best friends. Out of our marriage, we have three great children. Um, my oldest is Hannah. She's in high school, y'all. Y'all pray for me. She just got a learner's permit. My middle child is Charity. My youngest is Kenny. And so we're the Claters. And uh, we just uh, honored to be able to serve God and also serve your church today. And so God has given me a message, all right, for your series that we're on today. I'm called Friends of the Family. I'm excited that you consider me a, a friend. Um, I, I consider you guys not just friends, but also family. And I think that what God has given me today for you guys is a timely word. You know, Pastor TJ didn't tell me exactly what to preach. Um, he just invited me. And, and this is a message that I really believe that we need in this season and in this hour. And so let's open up our Bibles, open up our note takers, open up our hearts, open up our homes for what God wants to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We ask for you to have your way. If there is anything in our thinking, in our heart, and in our perspectives that does not come from your kingdom, 
Maybe it's something that we've picked up in the world. Maybe it's an ideology or philosophy that you know has been hindering us. We pray that today is a day where strongholds will be broken. Today is a day where the curse will be broken and the blessing will start. Today is a day that you take out the stony heart and replace it with a heart of love and a heart of faith. Do a revolution on the inside of us. Let us never be the same again online. We thank you that there's no distance in the spirit. Wherever we are, you're here with us. So have your way in this place and in us today. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Today, I want to I share with you a message called Resembling Heaven. Everybody say Resembling Heaven. Now, even though we're online, I, you know, I love feedback. And so, if, you know, put it in the chat. You know, give me some fist bumps. If I say something that's good, um, holler at your boy. Let me know that it's good. Um, say amen to your computer screen. And I specifically want to speak with you today about bringing forth healing as it relates to the racial division and the social injustices and the things that we see on TV, the things that we see on social media. I believe that God has an answer for the time that we're living in. It's amazing sometimes when I share that, you'll have all kinds of different responses. People are like, yes, let's get a kingdom answer. And people are like, oh my God, not again. You know, I know like you, um, you might be tired of the narrative. I'm a little tired of the narrative myself, but here's the thing. We can't get weary in well-doing. And we can't get tired of something that Jesus is not tired of. As long as there is division, as long as there is any kind of ism, as long as there is sin, us as the church, we have work to do. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to preach to you today as a black man. I know, obviously, you can tell, you know, what I look like. I want to preach to you today as a man of God. I've always fought for perspective, and I don't like taking sides. I don't want a, a white side or a black side. I want to find Jesus' side, and I know that you're like me. I don't want to just have um, a we versus them narrative. It's not a we versus them. It's us versus sin. Come on, somebody. It's us versus the devil. So we ain't on different teams, y'all. We on the same team. We are the family of God, and we need a kingdom perspective in this time. What does God say about the things that are, that are going on? So let me ask you this question. How many of you all want to experience heaven and the earth? Somebody holler at your boy. Let me know. Put some emojis on your screen. How many of you guys want to resemble heaven and the earth? The good news is that we don't have to wait to heaven to get heaven. We can actually have it here in the earth. You know, back in the day, I came up in a, a smaller Baptist church up in southern West Virginia, and I remember the older saints, they would say, hey, in the sweet by and by, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be, meaning that we were all waiting for heaven. When we get to heaven, it's going to be better than here. When we get to heaven, we'll get joy. When we get to heaven, we'll get healed. I got good news for you today. God doesn't want us to wait to heaven to have heaven. He wants us to have some heaven in heaven, but he also wants heaven to invade the earth. Would somebody holler at me and let me know that you're hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus knew this so well that he included it in the Lord's prayer. If you go over in your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew's gospel, chapter number six, we have what we call the Lord's prayer. And this is not just Jesus praying. This is Jesus giving us a model of how to pray. Meaning that this is how we should pray. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Verse number nine, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means we're going to the Father in the name of Jesus. And we're saying, hallowed be your name. Meaning that you are Elohim, you are Elyon, you are God most high, you are Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth me. So I'm entering into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. And then verse 10, it says, your kingdom come, watch this, your will be done, on what earth as it is in heaven. 
And so Jesus says that this is how we ought to pray. Now, I don't know what your prayer life is like. Many of us, we pray the problems instead of praying the answers. Many of us, we talk about the depression and the economy and the division and the things that we see, but Jesus says you should pray this. Whatever's happening in the heavens should be happening in the earth. And so the question that I have next is then what's happening in heaven? I'm glad you asked. Can you go with me over to Revelations chapter 7, verse 9? Now, listen, I've been reading the Bible now for over two decades, and I've been in ministry for about 20 years, a lead pastor for 13 years, and I love to preach the promises of God. And I understand that in the fallen, sinful world, we might not have the full manifestation of heaven, but we can sure have a whole lot more of it than what we see right now if the church would stand up. Revelations chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After I looked, and therefore before me was a great multitude. You know what that means, right? A whole lot of people (laughs) that nobody could count. And from every nation, and let's carry the word every as we go through the words, every tribe, every people, every language, and what was they doing? They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. Now, I always like to tell people that if you don't like um, all kinds of different races and different kinds of people, you don't want to go to heaven because in heaven, they're going to be everybody. Somebody say everybody. I didn't say everybody. I said everybody. Come on, say it with me, all right? And so what was they doing? The Bible says that all nations, all tribes, all ethnos, which is basically people groups, meaning that everybody and their cousin and them, them, them was on one accord with one voice around the throne of the Lamb of God. And it wasn't based upon their race, their culture, or their class. It was based upon his blood, and they were saying, holy, holy, holy. Blessed be the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Amen? And so how many of you all believe that we can pray that what's happening in the heavens be happening in the earth? We have a justifiable expectation. There's no sickness in heaven. We should expect no sickness. We come against the coronavirus. We bind it in the name of Jesus. We declare there's a manifestation of health and healing that's coming to our land. Amen? If there's no, there's no depression in heaven, how many of y'all know you can stand against depression? My wife was depressed for 12 years of her life. Now she's been healed for the last 19 years. And if God did it for her, he can do it for somebody that's watching right now. And here's a newsflash. Are you ready? Somebody shout, I'm ready. There is no racism in heaven. And the Bible says, Jesus himself says, this is how we ought to pray that whatever's happening in heaven can be happening in the earth. Would the church of Jesus Christ please stand up? And so here's my story. I grew up in southern West Virginia. Um, you guys know where that is. A lot of y'all don't. It's okay. It's, um, it's actually a state. It's not just the western part of Virginia, praise the Lord. And um, West Virginia is not known to, for being the most progressive state in, you know, America. Hallelujah. Um, and so, you know, I experienced my own set of racism and bigotry and things like that growing up. I grew up in the 80s. And um, both of my parents were school teachers. They're retired school teachers now. They actually still live in West Virginia. And my parents did this a big favor for me. They, 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 they did not teach me um, racism. They did not teach me bigotry. They really, and, and I don't know if it was a mix between my parents and God's grace just covering my ears and eyes to protect me, but I really didn't even know the difference between white and black until like middle school, to be honest with you. And my, my mom, she was huge into black history, but she didn't teach it to me with a slight or with bitterness in her heart or so that I would develop anger. She did it as any good school teacher would do just so that I could know where we come from in our history. And she would teach me about Harriet Tubman and she would teach me about inventors that were black and she would teach me about where we come from. And we did all the, the studies of our lineage and where we came from to where we're going. And I love that approach. 
Um, because the truth is, is that racism has to be taught. We should park there for a minute. It is ignorance that's passed down. Studies show that children um, have um, a, a bias as it relates to their community, but they do not have a racial bias. A, another three-year-old or four-year-old does not look at another three- or four-year-old and have a prejudice, which the definition of prejudice is a prejudgment based upon a person's appearance. That, that, that ignorance, which ignorance is just the absence of knowledge, has to be passed down from generation to generation. Thankfully, I had parents that were good parents that did not teach me that. And so here I am in middle school. I'm just enjoying myself, man. And um, I had my first run-in, and I'll give you one story. In the eighth grade, um, there was a letter that was being passed back from a girl that was in front of me to someone behind me. And, you know, back before text messages, we had written letters. That's how we communicated. Long time ago, never mind. So anyway, I was passing the letter back, but, I, I, you know, I was a little mischievous, so I decided to open up the letter in mid-route. And on it, it had, you know, all of this KKK symbols and white power and black this and black that. And I got to tell you, I was so hurt. I'm talking about I'm in the eighth grade and I'm hurt that another person and I caused, of course, I was in the flesh, too. And I got caused the whole school to get into this big uproar. And the girl ended up leaving the school the next day. I don't know if she got expelled or that she just got transferred. But what happened is that it marked me. And some of you guys have been marked. There has been something that has happened to you. Somebody has said something to you that they shouldn't have said. You've been passed over for a job, and it, and it kind of marked you. And so I kind of went through life, and, you know, the other things happened. Second thing happened. The third thing happened. And so um, I kind of carried some things with me through high school, but a, a miracle happened when I was 22 years old. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and it revolutionized my heart. I mean, it like it took the wrong heart out, and it was like it put the right heart in, and all of a sudden, I just wanted to love Jesus. And it was almost like I had his perspective. And along with that transformation, I felt a burden, even from middle school, a burden naturally, but then specifically a spiritual burden that I wanted to be a part of the answer. I literally wanted to be a part of the answer to bringing races together as one race. Matter of fact, I'm just finishing a book that just got finished right now and is being shopped to publishers called One Race because I don't believe that we're multiple races. Not in God's eyes, there's one race, the human race, and it has different shades and different colors, different ethnos, different nationalities, but in God's perspective, we are one race, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But I set out myself, I said, okay, and, and so at 22, I get filled with the Holy Spirit. 25, God calls me in the ministry, and one of the parts of the vision, he showed me, hey, you're gonna do this thing, right? But he says, I want you to have a multiracial, multicultural church for the most part. Not in those words, but I understood the gist of it. So we started our first phase of our ministry. This is 13 years ago. I moved from Washington, D.C. to Gainesville, Florida, and we said we are a church for all people. I mean, we put it on our, on our business cards. We put it on the, on the sign in the front of the church. We put it on our bulletins. Y'all remember bulletins? We put it everywhere. We are a church for all people. But for 10 years, what did I just say? 10 years. All people didn't come. I mean, different people, whites, blacks. Now, I'm going to use these, these terms generally, white and black. If you're yellow, brown, or red, just throw yourself in the middle. You know what I'm talking about. Different people that was different than me would come, but they wouldn't stay. And they would come and say, oh, I like your preaching. Oh, I like the worship. But they wouldn't stay. For 10 years, our church was 99% black, even though we said we are a church for all people and we're welcoming everybody. Everybody didn't want to stay. And that thing just bugged me. It bugged me like you haven't. Have you ever had fingernails on a chalkboard. I'm talking about that just annoys me. There's certain stuff like styrofoam being ripped. It just kind of, kind of, it, it just bug you. I, 
was bugged by this. And you want to know why I thought this was so annoying? It's because as a born-again believer, I was amazed that whites and blacks could make money together Monday through Friday as long as it was green. I was annoyed that whites and blacks could toss a football on Saturday and win the championship, and it didn't matter what the color of your skin was as long as we was bringing home the Lombardi. And it was amazing to me that Sundays, come on, Dr. King, is still the most segregated hour of our week, but we're supposed to be in love with Jesus, but we still haven't defeated the spirit of racism. And I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of the church. I want him coming back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle, but it has to start on the inside of us before it ever affects our social gathering called the church and around us. And the reason that it bugged me so much is because of John 13 and 35. And John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if, meaning contingent upon this, if you have love one for another. Meaning that the people that are in your family, the people that you work with that are atheists and agnostics and are not believers yet, they will know if we are really his disciples based upon how we reach across the aisle. Meaning that they, this is either the worst or the best advertisement that we are truly the disciples of Christ. Come on. We live in a day and time where people are looking for the answers. You got this religion and this religion and this cult and this revelation and these people doing here. But when the world is looking around, they are looking for people that can really love to say, you know what? Those people don't care that I'm white. Those people don't care that you're brown. Those people don't care that you're polka dot. They don't care because they are looking beyond what they see on the outside for who God's called me to be on the inside. Those are the real disciples. Check mark. I found them. Hey, everybody, come over here. But unfortunately, we are showing and proving the exact opposite. And I don't know about you. I want to change some things. Come on, clap with me. Holler at my boy if you want to be a part of the answer. You know, it's easy for us to address the problem and <laughs> the narrative of this day, you know, and that's why you got to pray before you post because there's a bunch of idiots out there and they're just posting everything they want to. And it's so far left and sometimes it's so far right, but I want to be right in the will of God. I don't care about the left or the right. I'm trying to find Jesus' owl on this one. And I believe there's a kingdom perspective that we can grab hold of and we can actually be a part of the answer and the solution instead of adding to the problem. I hear the Lord saying empathy. Empathy is huge. And I don't even think that's in my notes, but somebody needs to hear it today because when it comes to black lives matters, all lives matters, blue lives matter, you need empathy. Empathy is the ability to just feel what another person's going through and hear what another pe person is experiencing. And sometimes we don't see their way because of our way. And there's something that's powerful about empathy. Sympathy and empathy are very close together. And it's like, listen, if you are hurting because of that injustice, I'm hurting because of the injustice. And I don't want to deflect from how you hurt. And I don't want to bring up the flag. I don't want to bring up, I just want to hurt right now because you're hurting. And so you can stand for something. And just because you stand for something doesn't mean that you stand against something else. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. I want to give you five keys to breaking down racial barriers or five keys for our churches and our, and our lives and our homes to resemble heaven. Number one, you got to get God's perspective. So here's the question that I have for you. How does God view race? Okay. What does God say about race in the Bible? Well, you're looking at a guy who's been researching this for the last year and just wrote a 52,000-page book with an award-winning writer as we combed through Scripture and through every book that we could get our hands on. And you know what we found through Genesis 
to Revelation, God never speaks about race the way that we do. He never uses white, black, yellow, red, brown. He doesn't speak about people that way. When he speaks about people, he speaks about Jew and Gentile, saved and unsaved, light and darkness. And he uses nationalities, Ishmaelites, these ites, these, all these ites, you know, but he never speaks about race the way that we do. And so where do we get the race as we know it? I don't know exactly where it started from, but I can tell you where it got its oomph. It got its oomph at Darwinism and evolutionary thought that has been accepted as the norm in our public school system today. And this is what evolution... Now, many evolutionists would deny this, but it's true. Darwin's original writings, it, the subtitle of his writings are the um, it's the subject matter of preferred species or the preferred races. And the, and the theory of evolution says the lighter you are, the more you've evolved, meaning the darker you are, the closer you are to an ape. Now, let me give you a quick little, all right, so those who believe in evolution, so big bang, blah, 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 cell matter happens, then you got tadpoles, then you got frogs, then you got gorillas, then you got you, you and I. Now, we understand as Bible believers that that's fallacy. We understand that we've been made in the image and in the likeness of God. We understand that male and female, he created them to be just like him. We are an extension of the family of God. And so I think it's important for us to understand, according to God's word, we came from the dust. Now, remember over in Genesis, the Bible says that man created Adam out of the dust. In the Hebrew, it literally means the dirt of the ground, and he breathed into man's nostrils, and man became what? A living soul, all right? Now, I've traveled in different parts of the world, and I've realized in West Virginia, when I grew up, I would get black dirt under my fingernails. In North Carolina, we have some red dirt. I love this island called Exuma in the Bahamas. There you got the most beautiful white dirt, white sand, okay? But the truth is, just like it says in the end, from the dust you came, this is what they say at funerals, to the dust you're going to return. The truth is, is that we're all just dirt, and the devil has us divided over dirt. That's all that it is. From the dirt we came, to, so your dirt is not better than my dirt just because your dirt is lighter than my dirt, just like my dirt is not better than your dirt because my dirt is darker than your dirt, and it's all just dirt. And I can imagine that the devil himself is sitting wherever the devil sits. And he's like, <laughs> look at them. They're divided over the dirt because he understands a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And so whether it's sexism, classism, racism, what he wants to do is discord and divide the body so that we can't be strong. And so the strongest church is not a black church or a white church or an Asian church. A strong church is a church that stands together under one blood, lifting up one name, saying we are the disciples of the living God. Will somebody give Jesus praise online? And so how does God define race? He says we are the human race. We're one race. We're all homo sapiens. What that means is that if I need a kidney, and me and Pastor TJ, we have the same blood type, I might be able to get a kidney from him, but I can't get it from a, a black man. Because the truth is, is that we're more alike than we are different. Genetically speaking, scientists say that human beings are 99.5% the same. I got a DNA, you got a DNA. I got fingerprints, you got fingerprints. I got hair, hopefully you got some as well. I got teeth, God knows. We hope you have some, but if you don't, it's okay. You've still been made in this image and likeness. There's a new body coming in the new Jerusalem, praise God. But what I'm saying is that we are divided over our small differences. The devil is dividing us over dirt, over 0.5% of our differences. I got a past, you got a past. I've made mistakes, you've made some mistakes. I'm uncertain about the climate that you are uncertain, so we are a lot more alike in human beings 
We need to stick together, y'all, especially those of us who are born again. It's not we versus them. It's not black versus white. It's us versus the devil. It's people of God versus sin. And so what the devil loves to do is for you to line up on this side of the line of scrimmage and for everybody else to line up on this side of the line of scrimmage. And we got the black folks and we got the white folks and everybody else is stuck in the middle of this feud. <laughs> but what, the, what God wants us to do is not stand on opposite sides. He wants us to come on the same side it's homo sapiens versus this, versus this fallen angel that we used to call Lucifer, that we now call Satan. And we say, we will not allow you to divide over the dirt. Number two, number two. Are y'all getting hold of this today? I hope so. And so I want to give you this one scripture before I go to number two. Acts 17, 26, it says, he's made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the first face of the earth. And he's determined that determine their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. That's how God defines race. We all come from one blood, Adam, all right? And then, of course, after the flood from Noah. What that means is that we all cousins. Come on, Rodney King, can we all just get along? What that means is if you're married, you married your cousin. I know that's nasty, but it's true. You married your cousin. Way, way down the line, we all came from the same blood. That's what God says. It's not what man says, but it's what God Y'all not ready yet. Galatians 3.38 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, but male and female, but we're one in Christ. When we get born again, we're not many, but we're one. Y'all ain't ready. Number two, we got to swim upstream, guys. How do we break down racial barriers? How do, we, how do we get our churches and our homes to resemble heaven? We got to go upstream. What do I mean by that? That the current is all going this way. People now, <laughs> wanna, oh my God, it's almost like everybody wants you to talk the same, walk the same, and look the same. But the believer, we never go along with the current of the world. We always go upstream. We always go against the current. The Bible says it this way, that the way to destruction is wide, and many people go that way, but the way to righteousness is narrow. That means that you have to be willing that when you have family members and friends, and they're all going one way, yeah, did you see what somebody posted? Yeah, did you hear that? What do I think about the blacks? What do I think about the whites? You got to stand up and say, you know what? I'm not going to go in line with the culture of the world, I'm going to go upstream. I'm going to go upstream, all right? Number three, here's another one for you. Don't be weird about it. Don't be weird about it, you know? Sometimes it's like, do I call you African-American or black? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> it's like we got all of these hoops that we got to jump through so that we don't make anybody. Don't, just don't be weird about it. Don't be weird about race. You know, I got a, a, a pastor friend of mine. He's an older white guy. Um, he's, he's, you know, considerably older than I, and I think that he loves people. I don't think he's a racist, but I just think that sometimes he can just be a little weird. I recall I'd go to his church, and it would be me and him, and then another white guy, uh, and he would say, oh, Ken, come, let's take a picture. You get in the middle, and we'll be an upside-down Oreo. <laughs> and I guess it's a cute joke. I mean, I've heard other black people tell the joke before, and I chuckled, but you got to know who you are. You know what I'm saying? You got to read the room on this one, man. Just don't be weird about this thing, man. <laughs> Same guy. We were out on the mission field, man. You know how it is on the mission field. I'm out here, and uh, we get on the bus. All the, all the missionaries get on the bus together, about 45 people or so. I'm the only black guy. I'm getting on the bus. He's behind me. He taps me on the shoulder, and he says, Ken, you know you ain't got to sit in the back anymore. <laughs> and I literally just wanted to slap the taste out this guy's mouth and just drop kick him and then clothesline him and Ric Flair him. And woo! I mean, just go off on him. But you know what you do. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I mean, and you just kind of brush it off. But what's that? I'm saying this gently. It, some could say that's at least just being weird. 
uh, frankly, it's just wrong and it's just um, fleshy and you're just, um, you're not wise. But let's just say don't be weird, okay? You know why I think it's weird? It's because when you look at me, you look at me a black man, as a black man. And I want you to know that I'm more than my melanin. I, somebody should hashtag more than my melanin. Because we're making this big deal like black pride, white pride, white power, black this, black, black excellence, and I'm more than my melanin. I am so much more than what you see on the outside right now. I am a father. I am a man of integrity. I am a good husband. I am a man of faith. I love Jesus with all my heart. Please don't judge me by the, by the cover. You don't know what's on the inside of the book. And I wish that we wouldn't be the people that are shallow, but we would be a little bit deeper. And so when I show up in your group and you know that I'm just a little bit different, embrace me, love me, don't call me, don't be weird about it. Number fourth one is maybe my favorite one, but we'll keep on marching along is that we got to be intentional. If you want to break down racial barriers, if you want a church that resembles heaven, it starts with you being a person that resembles heaven and you don't get there by accident. Bridges aren't built accidentally. I come from Beckley, West Virginia, in Somersville, West Virginia, about 30 minutes away. They had the New River Gorge Bridge built in the 70s, cost $33 million. One person lost their life. I'm saying you got to get the blueprints for a bridge. You got to get some engineering for a bridge. You don't, it don't fall out the sky. And if you want to be a bridge builder and a barrier breaker, that's who Jesus was. He went up to the woman that was at the well, and it didn't matter about what was going on around him because he wanted to build a bridge. It doesn't happen accidentally. See, you all have to get very intentional with how you want your church to be multicultural, multi-ethnic, and since it's popular, we'll say multiracial, even though we already diffused that. But what I'm saying is, listen, so you say, Pastor Ken, well, how do we do that? Well, that means that you go to work and you find somebody that don't look like you and you take them to lunch and you start asking them questions. Get to know them, get to know the food they like, get to know where they come from. Get to, get, get, get. See, this isn't going to happen by accident. See, here's the thing. I love you guys' church because your church is already multicultural, multi-ethnic. Your church is already light years ahead of general. Like statistics show um, there's a huge part of churches around America that's pretty much one race. You guys are already killing that. You should give yourself a big round of applause. But here's the thing, even though we can be multi-ethnic and multicultural, doesn't mean that we have that in our heart. Sometimes it just happens of what we showed up with, and we didn't make it happen, we, didn't, we, we, we put up with it, but I want you to take an assignment that you're going to be a part of the, the solution, a part of the answer, so you have to be intentional. Now, y'all know what intentionality is. That means that when somebody comes in your church, right, and you know that they're sitting in the back, and you know that they're not a believer, and they're sitting there with their arms crossed like this, what should you do? You, as a partner, a member of Coastal Community, you go up to that person, and you sit down with them, and you say, hey, how are you? How long have you been coming? You don't want to assume this is their first time and they've been coming because, you know, the church is big. So, oh, okay, yeah, well, how have you been enjoying it? Hey, can we exchange numbers? I'd love to go to coffee sometimes with you. Just answer any questions that you might have about the church. What do you do? You are inclusive, not exclusive. Come on, somebody. See, so many times we are exclusive, and, and this is the problem with the church, not your church, but in general, the church is not an organization. See, an organization, Google, Microsoft, they can hire diversity. The church is a social institution. And so if we paid you money, you could be diverse, but because it's a social institution, you only invite who you know 
who you do life with. And if you're black and you only know black people or Asian and you only know Asians or whites, that's why our churches are so divided because we're not intentional enough to allow people into our inner circle. We have to be inclusive. And so you should get to know your neighbors that are a different color than you. You should get to know the people that you work with. That You should go to your kids. And if your kids, all of their friends are white, you should say, hey, listen down tonight. I need you to go to school and I need you to make friends with Raheem and them, okay? And I need you to go to Pookie and them, 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 and I need you to invite them over for dinner because this doesn't happen by accident. Listen, bridges are built by intentionality that I'm gonna love you enough to know you for how God has created you to be. And as our world gets bigger, the church gets bigger, then all of a sudden people will look to us instead of the protest for the answer. Would somebody say amen to some of this? You know, the crazy thing about race, and this is what we found, is that we're not even different colors. Genetically speaking, we're all the same color. We're just different shades of the same color. <laughs> it's just pigment. It's just melanin. You know, it, we're, the same. we're so much more alike, and we've allowed these things to divide us. I'm telling you, there's power in diversity. If you're black or you're white, you should sit down with somebody. You like hip-hop. They like country music. Exchange downloads. You sit down with something, you like Chinese food. Okay, I like soul food. Let's, let's cook together. Let's, there's power in that. There, there, there's, there's, there's not power in being narrow. There's power. For those of you all who's traveled the world, you know I'm telling you the truth. I'm sitting in India eating with my hands. <laughs> I like y'all's culture. It's so spicy. Y'all got any syrup here? You got any sugar, powdered sugar, white sugar? We'll take anything you got right now, right? But what am I doing? I am increasing my worldview. I give you the last one. And worship team, you can come up on this one. If you want to break down racial barriers and you want to resemble heaven, you got to forgive and repent. And these are the two words that God has given me and, um, um, to kind of end with. Forgiveness, let's define it, is saying that you don't owe me anything. Now, you know, I've heard black people say, well, I deserve 40 acres and a mule. Now, listen, if the government going to send me something, I'm not going to reject it. Send it on. <laughs> but I'm not going to live my life waiting on the government to send me a thing. All my increase comes from the Lord. Now, this, this applies, and I know it's hard to hear, but forgiveness has to be given to everybody because you've been forgiven of much. I know it's easy to sit back and say, well, what about George Floyd? And, and what about this injustice? And what about how it was passed over for the job? I'm gonna go on the side of Jesus who was on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, here's empathy. Um, the, the social injustices, the things that we see with George Floyd, they should make you mad as a believer. We should cry out when it comes to injustices, and we should be moved to action. We shouldn't say, well, that's their problem. No, it's our problem, okay? Um, and so we should have empathy towards Floyd and his family, but we should also have empathy towards the officer that took his life. It's not saying that I want you to get off. I want you to be convicted. I want you to go to jail, but then I want you to also be saved. <laughs> because I forgive you because you don't know what you're doing. All you were doing, all, Mr. Officer, all that happened with you is that your grandfather taught you something to your father and your father taught you to something. And all you are in is a process of sin that I wish the children of God would break it so we could be free because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so here's my word of the Lord for you that it's time to forgive people so that we can live. I dare you right now under your breath say, I forgive the whites. I forgive the blacks. I forgive the Asians, 
the Nigerias. I forgive those people that cut me off in traffic. I forgive the person that abused me. I, I forgive the person that neglected me, the person that abandoned me. I forgive my first husband, my second husband, my first wife. I forgive my mom. She wasn't there. I forgive. I, listen, we got to listen. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. It don't hurt them. It only hurts you. And so we got to forgive, but we also have to repent. And this is one of the most powerful words. We're trying to bring this word back, y'all. This ain't an old school word. This is a right now word. Repent, it doesn't mean just confess your sin. I was a professional confessor. God, forgive me. I still go out to the party. God, forgive me. I still would sleep around. God, forgive me. I still come in drunk. It wasn't until I said, God, forgive me, and I turned where I got forgiveness. You don't get forgiveness just because you confess. You get forgiveness when there's been re repentance. So there needs to be, listen, I've been a bigot. I've said some things towards people groups. I've had some prejudices in my heart. I thought that people just need to work harder and they need to quit talking about Jim Crow laws and slavery from 1960. Listen, that was just a, a, a generation ago. My, my mom, my dad went to an all-black middle school. This, this is not like, listen, you don't just get over an oppressive spirit. So we don't want your pities, but we do need your prayer and your partnership to say, you know what? I'm with you. And, and so what we do here is we forgive, but then we also repent. God, forgive me for how I've looked at the whites and how I've looked at the blacks, including myself. And you know what? I confess that and I turn away from it. Now I'm saying that that is in my past. Now I'm standing on the side of Jesus, not the blacks or the whites. I'm standing for what is right. I'm standing for that which is righteous. Now God, now what happens is that the blood of Jesus goes into your past and he eradicates it. And I really believe that there's even generational sins that we need to stand up and say, I renounce the sins of my ancestors. I renounce the sins of prior generation because that sin visits this generation to the fourth generation. And there has to be a righteous seed that stands under the blood and says, you know, what? I stand in proxy for a whole people group. God, forgive me because we didn't know what we were doing, but now I'm going to do everything in my power to make it right. And that is not a black statement or a white statement because blacks can be just as racist as anybody else's. Browns can be just as racist as anybody else. And you can tell by the acid test. People say, oh, you know, you Christianity. Oh, I'm not a racist. There's no way. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, what if your daughter dated somebody that was a different color? What if they married somebody? Well, I just don't think it would be wise. Oh, let's not have the, the nice racism. I just don't want them to have it hard. Life is hard. <laughs> Jesus himself says, as long as you're in this world, you will have trouble. And so see, what happens is that we bring that old BS belief system into our walk with God, and we make up excuses of why we have the vision, not understanding that when black and white come together, they make something beautiful. And I married her. Her name is Tabitha. She's half white and half black, and she is lovely. Isn't she lovely? <laughs> so anyway, guys, I love you guys, and I want to pray for you very quickly. Um, so every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of get some things right today. I want you to forgive some people. It doesn't matter what you've been through. I want you to forgive some officers. I want you to forgive some some, you might even stop, need to stop watching those movies from back in the day. Those Netflix, stop it right now. Just look at the Word of God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And also, God, I forgive those who've hurt me. I, I, I release them now. Ooh, I see somebody getting healed. Mm -mm -mm. And I want you to take an opportunity to repent. God, forgive me. 
I've said, I said I've made some stereotypical judgments. I've, 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 I've had a bias towards women, towards men. I've had a bias towards these people. God, forgive me. Now give me your heart. I believe God's doing a, doing a deep work in us today. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity <laughs> to accept the blood of Jesus, which is red and shed for all. And if you're here today and you can admit that you've ever sinned, like me, I was the biggest sinner of all y'all. <laughs> but thankfully, I don't have to pay the price for my sin because Jesus paid it for me. And if you're here today and you're watching this and you're like, you know what, I want to put my faith in Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Hope to see you real soon. God bless you. Wow, what an incredible message by Pastor so Ken. Good. I don't know about you, but I think that that is a message that our society, uh, every single one of us yeah. need to hear today, yeah. that, that we've gotta be intentional in building bridges, yes. not just hoping for the best, but being a part of the solution 